How you feeling? Alright, I'm getting back to normal, man. Not quite there, but getting back. So, um, you know who's feeling good right now? Who's that? Coach Degnall. Oh, man. I'm so pumped to get him back and coaching the Oklahoma City Thunder for many more years. I think he's a huge part of the, uh, of the future of this Thunder team, so for me, it's, it's a big thing to see him get rewarded with a nice-ass contract. Yeah, dude, we don't know the numbers yet. I don't know if anybody out there has seen what the details are once you see them post them so we can also share that but in the end um sam presti i feel like he thinks he's found the man to lead him into the next generation um you know i think sometimes we'll look back and be like oh it was a given that it was coach degnault but in the end he um he overcame a ton you know a ton of odds to not just be the right man for the rebuild but really demonstrate that he's the right man for the next thing and that Absolutely. really comes down to um, strategy, I think, and and you know understanding the game at a high level. Like, you can understand players at a high level. We'll say, um, you know, um, Scotty Brooks was pretty good at that. He understood yeah. how to like imp- help players become their best. But sure. then the the team concepts of like advanced plays, drawing up halftime or timeout plays, all these different things. Sure. Um, and ball movement, player movement. Um, and high-end defense. Those are where I look at Dagnall as really having shined. Yeah, and, um, you know, uh, Sam Presti has really given him the reins to be able to do so. Um, you know, uh, I think a lot of times we, we don't give the GMs enough credit to allow the coaches to be coaches. A lot of times we see these GMs that like to control the situation and control the narrative. There might not be a GM, it might be a president, um, but the reality is is that it's nice to be able to see Coach T be able to coach the way he wants to coach by putting in the players he wants to put in, and it's unobstructed from Sam. Um, I think that's a key to success. I think there's a lot of people that um, will look at it and be like, well, you know, you want this as a coach, you want this as a coach, but really in the NBA, in the modern NBA, you need, a coach, you need a coach that connects with your GM, and that's as simple as that. Absolutely, man. I think there's so much to it. But finding a way, um, you know, one of the things I've heard Coach Degnall talk about is he's always talking to Sam Presti. Mm. So that level of communication is clearly important. But then on top of that, you have to, like, be even better at communicating with your players. Absolutely, man. And we see that on the court all the time. We used to look at the, like, his first year, there were some really early signs that he was going out of his way to express trust in his players, right? When there yeah, was man. an opportunity to challenge a call. He would even look at the replay. He would challenge it if a player asked him to challenge it. Right. And it, I think that built a lot of trust where players became very concerned to call for a replay because they knew that coach was going to trust him. And once you feel like someone trusts you like that, it makes you really cautious what you do with that trust. Exactly. And and it's it's like that through the all the players. We, we watched there was turmoil between um, – Coach D and um, Baisley. You know, there was a time that they were both yelling at each other on the sidelines. And I wondered if they, you know, Coach D was going to be able to um, rise above something like that. It's a distraction. It's as simple as that. Not only did he rise above that, but he became a better coach because of it. You know, you didn't see him do that again. You didn't see him challenge Baisley in such a way. He tried to work with Baisley as much as he possibly could. And when there was no time to work with him anymore, he moved on. He did not penalize him for that. And I think that's the biggest thing that you see. A lot of these coaches that are out there, they're like, I must have my way. These guys must know I am the boss. 
you know? And it's just like, this is not, this is not 1990. This is not early two thousands where you can have this um, power structure of sorts like that. You know, coach D says, this is what we're doing. This is the game plan. Now, if he changes the game plan halfway through the game, he sits everybody down and he, and he explains to him why he's doing it. Why? Because he wants better players. He wants players that are capable of understanding the deep downs of why things need to be changed. Because if he's out there and he cannot think about stuff like that and Shay's like, hey, coach, we need to change things up like this, like you did that one time. Done. He doesn't have to think about it. He's cha- training coaches out there on the floor. You know, it's Kenny Hustles. It's, uh, you know, I, Keontae Johnson. I can't say enough about this young man. Like there's so many guys out there that are leaders on the court for these guys. And it comes back down to having a coach that allows that type of leadership, that allows that type of power structure to have these younger guys be coaches out there. It's bro. It's, it's so next level. I I just, I love what's happening with our organization. So we both have daughters that are 15. My daughter just turned 15 today. So, Oh, happy birthday. Um, Alexa, Lexi, Alexa. Alexis, I'll tell her, I'll tell her. sorry, man. It's all good. Um, she's out at Starbucks right now, right? But enjoy. Yeah. Here's the thing, right? We we're not that old, right? You and I are in our late 30s. Okay, so we've seen the way that teenagers have changed over the year, change are changing over the years. Like it's a, more of a attention and deficit disorder society with TikTok and with sure. Instagram and sure. like. The instant gratification. Right. It's changing people. And a lot of people look at this and they realize it's happening, right? But they don't necessarily know like what that means for the long term for for humanity as as a whole, but also for like individuals and how how they're gonna adjust. You know, Hmm. um, say you wanna go to um, a school like the Air Force Academy or the Naval Academy, right? Like, how are they going to have to change their standards for the new TikTok generation that's really starting to arrive at these schools? Are they going to be able to push them as physically? Are they, are are they going to, are we going to end up with a weaker person overall? You know what I mean? From this instant gratification in society. And Hmm. ultimately, I think whether or not the person is weaker, I think mentally people are, are definitely different, Hmm. right? They're not used to this old school. My dad used to scream at me and demand I do these types of things. And then that would make me work harder. Yeah, right? They don't it, have it, that that tough skin from right. you know being treated like shit for like twenty years of your life. Right, because they can just escape instantly into a different environment that is less depressing. Right. Yeah. And so exactly. I find like I find understanding that right now the kids that are fifteen are going to be drafted by the Thunder in four years. Yeah. Like three or four right. years, they're going to be on the team, and those people are going to be even mentally different than the ones that are being drafted today. Absolutely. And that's what excites me about Coach Degnall. Yeah, and, and you know, I don't want to get too much about Look, like what? the way that young men are are structured, but when I call somebody a weak-ass bitch or a little-ass bitch or anything else like that, I want everybody to know it's an age thing. It's as simple as that. When you become a man and you ball, your balls have dropped, I don't call people weak-ass bitches because I know they fight back, you know? Like, there comes a point... <laughs> There comes a point, man, you know, and I'm 20 plus years, your senior, you're a weak ass bitch because I t- knows what I know what it took to get 20 years down the road further than a 19 year old or 20 year old, you know? And I think this is the same thing with, with somebody that's 60, um, and is, or, you know, 59 and is 20 years older than me looking at me calling, you know, like, this dude's a weak ass bitch. No shit. 
because what you've had to go through in your 59 years is not even equivalent to what I've had to go through in 39 years. And that's my point is that there's different structures like that. And I am telling you, there's nothing better in my mind than watching, watching a player like Chet out there. He's got what it takes, man, mentally, Mm. physically understanding that physical aspect. He's not part of that new age, you know, weeks shit people you know what i'm saying like Look, i'm just i'm just saying he has that old school mentality his parents are older than us his he's got this an idea of of how to live his life and how to be passionate and i think that's what gets me excited about chet that's what gets me excited about shay that's what gets me excited about j-dub you guys get it it's the people that sam has allowed um coach d to start transitioning into these top end players now and he's developing, Coach D is developing these guys at a high, high level. And it's beautiful. It is. And it, it does all work together. And Moani, we signed Coach Dagnall to a multi-year contract extension. We're not mm-hmm. sure on the details, but um, I'm doubting it's the first $100 million contract. But I'm sure it's a very good contract. I wouldn't be surprised you know. if it's like 35 to $50 million for, you know, Four it's going to be a nice, it's going to be a nice yeah. contract. I mean, think about it. $80 million, $75 million is the pinnacle. You know, if yeah. you want to show loyalty towards a coach that you know is yeah, going to be sure. great, you give him 35 to $50 million and say, do what you need to, to get your family settled. You know, <laughs> like we want you here for a long time. And Carson, I want to throw this out here. I've been watching J-Dub post everything through the entire summer, everything that he posts, everything that he does. I can tell you when I started saying this, I started telling people this and I started telling Mark this, I said, J-Dub, J-Dub is different. He's got a different body. He's already a different player than he was last year. He is going to be elite this year. People don't even know what's going on. Did you know that there was an ESPN poll mark done that said who which player won the summer league? Do you know that there was two guys, maybe just one, but there I thought there was two guys that put J Dub won the summer league. He played one game. Yeah. You know, like he played one game and people are saying that he won the, um, the summer league because he was so much better, so much bigger and so much more dominant than they thought that he would be in his year two. And bro, that's what's scary. People don't even know. People don't even know what's up with J-Dub. He put on what, 15, 10, 15 pounds of pure muscle. Are you telling me that this guy isn't now six, seven? No, he's, he's an easy six, seven. It might be the hair. I don't care. He's six, seven. And he's out there playing against way bigger bodies. I mean, he's another level, guys. He's another level. What's up, George? Um, I agree about Coach D. Um, work hard. And What's if you don't work hard, if you don't play hard, then you're not going to play. And that's it. If you know that when you go out there, it really it helps, you know? Yeah. You're right, man. You're right. Um, all right, Wayne. We don't we don't know his um, ethnic background. Um, um, Chet's. Ethnic background, um, something I don't really look at it a lot. I something I don't um, look at. So Ryan Styles kept saying it. Okay, listen. Ryan Styles right. says a lot, and and right. I and I like Ryan Styles, and I think that he says a lot of good things. Um, so if Ryan Styles was saying it, I'm okay with that. Um, all right, Jaden, what's up, man? You think I listen, J Dub? I would listen. I wouldn't be surprised if he's getting up in that forty-plus range for three-pointers, man. I'm telling you, J-Dub has a special shot. And if you look at what he did his rookie year, I think it was like thirty-six percent from three. I, 
I see too many rookies from first year um, years to second year gain an enormous amount of a percentage on their three points. And 6%, I, Sometimes I think, is completely doable. You see him step backwards because of different reasons. But one of the reasons that I think he won't step backwards is because um, it looked like his three-point shot last year, especially the beginning half of the year, was like an afterthought. I feel like he would almost kind of find himself open and realize he should shoot the ball. Exactly. And then um, I think as the season went on, he started kind of really understanding the footwork that it took to be prepared to shoot the ball, you know, wherever he was catching. And once he had the footwork down, then he, you know, everything just like the balance and his shot, became, you know, became way smoother. But then going into the summer, he knew, okay, like this is how I'm going to have to shoot the ball. So I know how to practice at game speed, which is a huge evolving evolution for a player like him. Now he might come out and try to jack up five a game and that, you know, maybe that will end up hurting his average. I mean, I don't know how that will work, but um, I definitely think it's a weapon. He's just starting to figure out how to use. And that's why I think he's going to go up in his average. Um, Yeah, dude, I think Carson, I think he could Um, because even though he was good last year, um, he didn't get a lot of attention. So, I totally see a world in which J-Dub wins most improved player. Uh, I feel like he's demonstrated the ability to play at a high level. He's a guard. It's exciting to see him dunk the ball. So if he came out on average, what, Dave, 22 points a game, he might get most improved player? 22 points a game. If he shot 42% from three-point range, then, yeah. I mean, not just that, but he would have an argument to be all NBA at the end of the year. Might be third team All NBA, but if you're averaging 22 plus points a game and shooting 42 percent from three point range, have lockdown defense like he does, like he's making a stance that he's one of the best players in the league if he's doing something like that. So, man, anything's possible with J Dub. I really do believe that he's he's a unique player. We'll see one of him in our in our lifetime, whether that's 10, 15, or 20 years that we'll see him play for. I do believe he's got what it takes. All Williams lineup, George. Um, let's do it. If it happens, you know, I'm sure we'll be here for it. I don't doubt about that. And I'm sure the announcers will have scont- uh, spontaneous combustions happening all over across the country. <laughs> what do we do? <laughs> whims, 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 whims. Oh, my God. That's crazy. It'll be, it'll be fun, though, man. A lot of... I would bet on him having a breakout season, Carson. Like... That might be wild. That might be too much, you know. But I wanna, it just feels like it's that time. I want to say this. With all the moves that Sam Presti has done, all right, regardless of which players that we keep, as long as we have Jack White and Mistich, right, we already have a better team, better um, bench than we did last year. Everybody that's been saying that we're crazy for thinking the Thunder are going to win, listen, Sam Presti's made improvements on the starting lineup has made improvements on the bench, has made improvements in the coaching staff, and our superstar has gotten better. So what are we talking about right now? Our, our defense is better. Our offense will be better. Like, like I think this is going to be one of those moments that we're going to be sitting back and just enjoying. And, and we did this before where the Thunder won like 35 games and then we came back and won 50, you know? So, you know, in, in theory, this has happened before to us, but I think this is different. This smells different. This tastes different. You know, like there's a moment that you take a step back and you're like, okay, this is not your, this is not your normal shit. You know, I mean, 
when you when you feel a platinum pussy, you know what's up, man. There you go. Um, I feel like I feel like with this team, like there's always the caveat of if we stay healthy. But I also feel on the other side, because of our depth, we can handle more adversity than we handled last season. Um, and one of the things that really threw us off last last season was essentially we only had two stretches of good basket basketball where we played consistent night after night. Hmm. Um, it feels like I think one at the beginning of January, and then there's a stretch right before we entered the playing game where we had to play for it, right? Yeah. And we uh, we definitely stuck with the record we needed to, and it was even though we weren't winning some games that we should have, it felt like more, more nights than not we were playing great. Yeah. So if we come out and we we're improved and we have a, a situation where maybe like all but 20 games we're playing at a really high level, yeah. we can win 50, you yeah. know, like. Well, and I, I think that's the key. I think it's all about how we come out at the gates. Sam Presti says it every year at the beginning of the season, we go with open expectations of the year. We don't know what injuries are going to happen. We don't know anything else like that, but if everything stays healthy and everybody stays healthy, then I don't think it's it's abnormal to say that 50 wins is is, is possible. 50 wins should be plausible for this team. Like it, it shouldn't be that shouldn't be like surprise to anybody that follows the game. You know, the way that we have continued to get better every single year, right? It reminds me of a team that's so young that every year they get a little bit better, a little bit better until they become the best in the NBA. And everybody's like, oh shit. Scotty and Michael are only like 20 years old. They got like a ton more years together. You know, like that's the type of situation we're in. I'm not saying that we're going to have Scotty and Michael Jordan on this team. I'm just not. I'm not saying that at all. But what I am saying is, is that we have creeped up like the next best young team in the league by winning the way that we have to the point where it wouldn't surprise even some of the experts out there if we went out and won 52, you know, 53 games and had a two or three seed in the West. It wouldn't surprise some of the experts out there. And I think that's what's crazy to me is because two years ago, we were talking about, this is not a tank, guys. This is not a tank. And now we're sitting here saying that experts are going to say, would not be a surprise to us winning 53 games, 52 games. Like, what? Yeah. I mean, the year-over-year improvement after only two years of missing postseason play is really un- unbelievable. And that's why I think a lot of people are a little bit confused, like, like half the Spurs fans we've talked to recently think that we were out of the playoffs for like over half of the last 10 years. <laughs> There's they really don't have any concept of what has happened. And that's why but, people but are going to have to stop. I don't and even have any concept of what what's happened with them over the last few years either, because they haven't done anything. You know what I'm saying? Like I know what you're saying, but in the end, like I, I feel like, like you lose reality of how long they haven't done anything because they've, they're so bad. You know, but like that's the same thing with us. It's also, I'd say, poor media coverage, right? Yeah. Like when when people kind of like make assumptions, like the year Chris Paul was playing, that we were going to, you know, not make the playoffs. Yeah. Do you like, remember how mad we got that year? Yeah. Oh, we were so pissed, bro. We we're like, they don't think that we're going to make the playoffs with Chris Paul, right. Dennis Schroeder. Like, what? With No, like it was crazy, man. Right. And I mean, after Shea just got off playing a really good playoff series for the Clippers against the Warriors. It yep. felt like he was, he was ready to, you know, continue to improve too. So there was so much to it. Steven Adams was on that team. Um, and I just felt like, you know, we could, we could make a run for it. And we did, we got all the way up to the fifth seed, I think, which was yeah. pretty incredible at that situation. Insane. And like, so there was just so much assumption that people stopped paying attention. The bubble happened. People weren't going to games after that. And so a lot of like distractions took place, but in the end, the reality is this happened so fast 
like it gets a lot of credit for being patient, which is true. But like, it's not hard to be patient when everything is happening quick around you. Kind of like what Wayne is saying. It's a quickening, you know? Yeah. And, and I think if you look at rebuilding, things need to line up. One of the things that needs to line up is your draft class. Why didn't Sam Presti start the rebuild a year late um, earlier with Chris Paul and those guys? He could have traded them all, had picks for that year, but he decided not to. Why? Because the draft wasn't ready. It wasn't ready. So why go dipping in the draft when it's not ready? And I, and I feel like that there's going to be times that people are like, why did Sam just trade out of this draft? There's some great talent in him, but there's not enough, you know? And it's just going to come down to that. Like, Carson, you asked, is it going to be too much pressure for Sam Presti if we get the two or three seed? No, and this is why I don't think it would be too much pressure is because when you have as much draft picks as you do and you're not in a hurry, right, you let other teams make those mistakes. You let other teams say, hey, Sam, this team's only offering me one first-round draft pick for Damian. I, I know I can get two for him. <laughs> you know, like, those are the moments you get st- stuck and you're like, oh, shit, well... I'm only willing to give you these two, <laughs> you know, and Sam's walking away with a top 10 player in the league again. And it's going to happen because that's what Sam Presti does. When we get to that winning moment, he will make the trades that we need to make to continue to continue to win without leveraging our future. He will trade draft picks that he doesn't feel that are going to pan out. Right. You make the cut, you make the sacrifices early. So you have them later on. I love what George is saying. Shea equals Michael. J-Dub equals Scotty. And Chet is mm. greater than Rodman. There we go. Talk dirty to me, George. There we go. Um, yeah, and, um, you know, as far as the Spurs fans go, man, I, I can't. I can't with the Spurs fans. Um, Wayne, <laughs> I, I will say this, is that um, I am glad I'm an Oklahoma City Thunder fan. I am glad that the Thunder have a GM like they do. They have a coaching staff like they do. Um, it's not isolated on one person or one, you know, coach or whatever. Um, I love the fact that our our staff is built with San Antonio people all around it. I think it's great that we have, you know, guys that spend um, time in San Antonio there, um, whether it's the, as assistant GMs or whatever. We love San Antonio. We love Coach England. And I think it's one of those things where, and when time comes, it's there's a reason why coaching Glenn's jump ship for the Oklahoma City Thunder. And the, like when we talk about Presti's credentials, like it's not like anybody in Oklahoma City ever forgets where he came from. I know, I like, know. We are like, an offshoot have, of the San Antonio Spurs in our own way. It feels yeah. like we just do um, it better. That's what we're hoping to be able to say in a few years. Um, and I dig what Moani's saying. Right, he's saying first you need to set the culture in a rebuild, and you start building in that progression, and like. I look back at like guys like Kenny Hustle. Mm. Like you have to like lean into those guys. Oh yeah. Like you have to say you're the type of guy that we want to build around. Right. And once you say that to somebody who does journeyman. Journeyman doesn't have the athletic um level of attention that anybody else is, and they and you say like this is the culture, and then you look at like what went wrong in Philly with Sam Hinkie, and they they tore down the culture first. They tore down all the vets. Like you hear that every time you hear like anybody's podcast, it's former players right now. They always say the same things. They're like, teams don't have vets anymore. 
You know, the vets are the ones who taught me how to do things. And now they don't have vets anymore. And the, and the Thunder, it just felt like the first thing we did was we got the right vets. We got the right young coaches and we paired them with vets who weren't that much different than, in, than age. And then we started bringing in these really young players. But the culture carried them. And it wasn't like this, oh, well, these ancient players like Haslam setting the culture. Yeah. It was You're guys right. who could contribute on the court still. You're right, man. Uh, salty drunk. I'm getting there. This COVID's a bitch. Um, took my voice away. I've never lost my voice like this, by the way. I can lose my voice for like an afternoon or whatever, but I'm never like this. This is like day four of no voice. So, um, yeah, man. Um, recruit. All right. Sam Presti recruit for OU. Um, he does it, but Hey, if the Thunder are good, people, people yeah, dig dude. basketball. In I, Oklahoma. I think, I think, uh, Sam Presti's, um, you know, definitely shown that he loves to draft, um, what ACC players, SEC oh, or SEC whack, whack players, Western whack players, SEC. I mean, he doesn't really like to draft Big Twelve, does he? <laughs> I mean, he doesn't. He hasn't. I don't think he's drafted any of the Big Twelve players on his team. Uh, he's got Kenny Hustle play for TCU, but he came on a trade. Um, and we've got a couple other Texas kids. Um, Keontae Johnson played Texas Tech, right? Uh, he played K State, but yeah, K State. Yeah, yeah. There. All right, fuck. All right, there goes my my. Same uh, thing though. It's like Big Twelve. <laughs> You're talking about Big Twelve, so you can count it. Um, yo, dude, I think we should get out of here before we destroy your voice again. All right, um, man. Shout out to everybody who joined us on this live. Yeah, guys, appreciate later. you guys. We love you guys. Um, and back, we got a lot more to talk about. We'll get back in the swing of things soon.